This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Uh, John Gonzalez from The Ringer joins us here on CBS Sports Radio. How you doing, Gonzo? Jody, how are things? Good. Appreciate you coming on for a couple of minutes. Am I to uh, guess by the timing of today's appearance that you are not headed over to the Staples Center for Sixers Clippers? I'm not going to make it to Sixers Clippers. I'll probably make uh, Sixers Lakers. Okay. All right. You got stuff yeah. to do. To, isn't uh, when the wife's away, the cat gets to play. What the hell are you doing sitting at home talking to me when you go see I'm, the Sixers? I, that's the best way to spend my Sunday. A little even. You know, it's uh, Sunday, and uh, God rested on the 7th, and I'm spending it with you. That's a sad testament to your life at this stage. When, when does the wife get home <laughs> from Indianapolis? She's back from Indy tomorrow. Yeah, okay. she's been there all week. All right. And done a fine job. I've sung her praises, and her uh, running mates there on the NFL Network, I think they've done a heck of a job with the combine. But, uh, again, too much combine talk from the first. I want to talk NBA with you here. Uh, before we get into today's NBA, I do want to take you back a couple of years ago. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you had already moved from Philly to L.A. by the year of the Markel Fultz, Lonzo Ball Jason Tatum draft, correct? That is correct, yes. And I remember you writing a couple articles leading up to the draft, specifically from an L.A. position because you're out there in, out, out in L.A., correct? Yeah, I was at uh, Lonzo Ball's workouts, and then uh, when he got drafted by the Lakers, I was there for his initial press conference and covered his whole beginning of his career with the Lakers. All right, so I'm going to ask you to take your memory back there because Mark Fultz became a topic of conversation in Philadelphia again this week because somebody from Bleacher Report wrote a story about how he was so maligned and mistreated in Philadelphia, which is just not accurate. I know I was there. Uh, if anything, they were overly biased to believing in Markel Fultz because they believed in the process and he was part of the process and the guy just couldn't play and had issues, be they physical or not, but he couldn't do it. And whenever he did play, if he ever made a play, the crowd would go nuts. So to say he was mistreated in Philadelphia is just a mischaracterization. But it has brought back the whole Jason Tatum could have been a sixer conversation because Tatum is going nuts playing phenomenal for the Celtics. And I always say, I don't really believe that's the case. That if the Celtics hadn't been able to do the deal with the Sixers, that they just would have taken uh, Jason Tatum number one. Now, the Sixers would have got probably taken Mark Up Fultz at three anyway, but that's assuming the Lakers wouldn't have. What is your best memory of the behind-the-scenes negotiating and untold stories of how that draft played out. We know Danny Ainge got his guy and got picks on top of it, so he was a winner. The Sixers got Markel Fultz, so they were a loser. Were the Lakers ever anything other than going to be Lonzo Ball's new home? Could they have gone a different direction if the draft had gone differently in front of them? I think your recollection, uh, your inclination here is right. 
your reading of the situation feels like what I knew at the time and what we've since uncovered and learned. Uh, I, I think you're absolutely right that the Boston Celtics and Danny Ainge uh, ate Brian Colangelo's lunch for him and took those picks for a guy that they probably would have just taken anyway. Uh, so I, I don't. I look. I think Tatum would be absolutely phenomenal for the Sixers. Uh, had it unfolded that way, I just don't think that there was any chance of that happening. And then similarly, Lonzo to the Lakers, by all accounts, was a lock at two. I mean, Magic Johnson really liked him. Uh, afterwards, obviously, he fell out of favor with Magic, but Magic Johnson really liked him. He's an L.A. guy. He was, uh, you know, his dad was trying to speak into existence, his son going to the Lakers, which is exactly what happened. Uh, and then, you know, Markel ended up with the Sixers, but they had to pay a premium for a guy that they probably would have ended up just getting at three anyway. So, yeah, I think you're right. I think that that's the way that it went down. And, all, you know, kudos to Danny Ainge. I mean, I had talked to uh, a longtime NBA executive afterwards about that whole the way that whole thing happened. And, you know, how, who, who do you think won the deal? And this was before we knew that Markel had shoulder issues and maybe some other things going on with him. And he said, look, if we're talking about two guys sitting down at a poker table and one of them is Danny Ainge and the other guy is Brian Colangelo, I'm going to bet on Danny Ainge, and that turned out to be right. That's exactly the way it played out. So you're telling me if Markel Fultz was still available, Tatum comes off the board one, there's no way the Lakers take him instead and pass on ball? I, I don't think so. I mean, it definitely felt like here on the ground at the time, all the talk was about Lonzo to the Lakers, so I would have been really surprised if that happened. Was Magic the driving force for that pick at that time? Oh, for sure, yeah. Magic, I mean, Magic, as a, you know, obviously as a, an all-time point guard, and, uh, you know, he had brought in uh, Lonzo's dad, LeVar, and there were multiple conversations, and he was such a big figure, uh, Lonzo was, here in Los Angeles, not just because he played his high school ball here, but also obviously because he played at UCLA, and just like all the talk all the time, was about Lonzo in Los Angeles. Everybody else was talking about Markel Fultz and Jason Tatum and what the Sixers and the Celtics were doing. In Los Angeles, there was only one topic, and that was Lonzo. John Gonzalez at a ringer, NBA writer, here with us on CBS Sports Radio. All right, uh, Philly comes into L.A. today, have to take on the Clippers. Clippers have lost three in a row. Now they've won three in a row. They seem to be kicking into the gear at just the right time. Bad place for the Sixers to be sons Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons today, huh? Yeah, it's one of those seasons, isn't it, Jody, where nothing seems to be going right for them. In addition to, you know, you've got a, a back issue with uh, Ben Simmons, and then you've got a shoulder problem with Embiid, and then they haven't been playing well all season long, and they haven't been healthy, and they haven't had their starting lineup together for much. Uh, and then on top of that, yeah, now the schedule is conspiring against them. So the Clippers are starting to play better. I won't say well, but they're starting to play better at a time when they really needed to because I think Doc and Kawhi and those guys were starting to get a little nervous about uh, what that team could be uh, and whether or not they were sort of running out of enough runway here to, to ramp up the season and, and start looking like the contenders that we expected them to be all year. But they're doing that at just the right time, and the Sixers are heading the other direction. Right, and any team, if you've got a team in the NBA that's got two all-star players, which the Sixers do, and they're both out of the lineup at the same time, well, you're just not going to be able to compete with the really good teams. But they can't compete with anybody on the road. They're twenty eight and two at home. They're nine and twenty on the road. So this, you say, the schedule com- is conspiring against them. Well, the schedule is forty one home games and forty one road games. That <laughs> when they come up, uh, yes, can be a conspiring. But they pretty much break it up right down the middle. How do you explain those two splits? I can't. I was. 
I was hoping you would explain it to me because uh, I think the Sixers would, would take anybody's advice at this point on, on why they've been so abysmal on the road. It's, it's really, I'd like to say it's inexplicable. Uh, I, I don't get it, Jody. I mean, like they have obviously a home court advantage in that they have a rabid crowd and, uh, Philadelphia has always been a very difficult place to play, and they they feel more comfortable there, obviously. But uh, you know, when they go on the road, and all, the wheels just absolutely come off for these guys. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know if they're trying to do too much, or they're they're taking it too lightly. I know that when they were playing, when they played that game in Milwaukee, what a week ago or so, there was those photos of Embiid out at the casino, very Allen Iverson like uh, the night before. Maybe he needed to blow off a little steam. I don't know what it is. I don't. I don't know what their travel habits are like. I'm not on the road with them, but uh, maybe they're gripping the wheel a little too tight, or maybe the opposite is true. Who knows? All right, they still got 20 games to go, and they're going to finish where they finish in the East. Don't know where that's going to be. Could be as high as four. Could be as low as six. I don't think it's getting any higher than four, and I don't think they're dropping down any lower than six. And then the first round matchup, we have to see who they face. If they get beat in the first round, even with these injuries factored in, I'm assuming Embiid is going to be back. I'm hoping that Ben Simmons is going to be back. Don't know what level they're coming back at, but let's say they have their two all-stars back by the start of the playoffs, but could be somewhat handicapped because they don't get much game run in again before the uh, real season starts, a.k.a. the postseason. Is Brett Brown a dead coach walking if the Sixers can't get out of the first round? I fear that's the case, yeah. I mean, you and I have talked about this. I'm, I am uh, unapologetic about my love for Brett Brown. I think he's a, a good coach. I think it's hard to evaluate coaches, and they get a, a tougher rap than, um, than maybe they should in certain circumstances. There are guys who are elite, a very handful of, you know, Steve Kerr's and um, uh, maybe uh, Spolstra and uh, Brad Stevens and, you know, like a couple of guys who are at the very tip top and then a couple of guys who are at the bottom who who couldn't coach their way out of a paper bag. And then I think everybody else is in the middle who are, you know, mostly largely fine and who are stewards. And I think Brett is somewhere in that middle group, uh, middle to top group. But, yeah, you're looking at uh, if it's a first round out, people are going to, you know, Philadelphia as well as anybody, people are going to look for somebody to blame. They were looking for somebody to blame last year. And only by the virtue of going seven games against the eventual world champion Toronto Raptors, and losing in a freak four bounce, you know, historic shot by Kawhi, that saved him. But I, I thought, if not for that, he might have been a casualty last year. And it's unfortunate, but I think that that's probably the way it goes. Unless they go on a really deep run here, uh, I'd be surprised if they didn't make a change. All right, uh, you did run down some rankings of some coaches. That lends me to another question. Um, read an article, I think it was on uh, SB Nation about the Sixers being potentially the biggest disappointment in the league this year. And I said, oh, wait a minute, hold on. They're going to make the playoffs. But then I started looking around and comparing other teams and expectations and the like, and the guy's actually got a point that if they do get bounced in the first round, some people had them as the favorite in the East and ticketed to go to an NBA final. You get bounced in the first round, I'm sorry, that's a massive disappointment. And the only other team I could come up with that could be put in that same category is the Spurs, who nobody was talking about making an NBA final, but you just immediately assume the Spurs are in the playoffs because they've only been there every year for the last two decades. And they're not going to make it this year. And they're coached by one of the NBA's all-time greatest coaches. What do you think Popovich is going to do during this offseason? 
Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I I, I put uh, maybe the Portland Trailblazers in that same disappointing conversation too. But yeah, San Antonio has what a streak of. I think if they make it this year, it would be the all-time consecutive playoff streak. Uh, they've set it. I know they're tied right now. It's like 22 or 23 straight years. Uh, they they are as we talk right now, three games back of the surprisingly good Memphis Grizzlies for that final spot in the Western Conference. But Pop has talked about, you know, at some time, at some point, there's going to be have to be an end to this run, right? I mean, he's coaching USA basketball, uh, and he's been with the Spurs for. He's been the head coach since, what, like 98, something like that. So it's been uh, more than 20 years. And at some point you would expect uh, that he has he has nothing else to prove. Uh, so maybe he wants to go off and he, he likes to drink wine and have nice dinners, and maybe that's what he wants to do after USA basketball. But I hope he doesn't go because for all the times that he can be prickly with the media and, and gruff, he's also a delight. I mean, there are times when you get him – uh, to open up about various topics where he's just fantastic and he's super well-respected in the coaching fraternity and also by the players. So it'd be a bummer to see him go. All right. I discussed this yesterday on the show, and uh, just because you said USA basketball, it reminded me that I got to ask you this question too. If a percentage, and it could be as low as 1 of 12, or it could be 12 of 12, or it could be somewhere in the middle, a percentage of the Team USA players that are supposed to head to the Olympics to take on whatever teams they draw in the upcoming Olympic Games decide, you know, the whole coronavirus scare, it's just not worth the risk for us. Family, uh, rest of their career, salary, branding, whatever you want to lay it off on, um, that a whole bunch or maybe just one guy decide, no, I'm going to take a pass. Uh, how would you look at that as an NBA writer, an NBA fan, an NBA analyst? Understandable, questionable, ridiculously bad if some are going and some decide not to. If there is a defection of a percentage of Team USA in the Olympics because of a scare from the coronavirus, what would you say? Wouldn't surprise me. I mean, there are all kinds of different reasons why guys duck out on the uh, Olympics. Uh, some of, I mean, the, the NBA season, Jody, is so long now. I mean, there's so, like it's two months of playoffs alone. So by the time they get done, if some of these guys are deep into the playoffs, there's really no rest for them. It would be like playing a full calendar year of basketball without any, without any time off. So if they blame it on that, or they blame it on rest, or they blame it on uh, marketing opportunities that they need to seize upon, there's always excuses for guys to beg off. And uh, it wouldn't surprise me if somebody says that, Oh, you know, it's coronavirus when really they just want to, they want to get a little R and R, but also, I mean, Last time I checked, I'm pretty sure that the uh, International Olympic Committee was saying that they had a window here where in the next like month or so they had to decide if the games were going to be held there, if they were going to move it to an alternate site, period. So I think it's not just maybe basketball players and uh, Team USA that are considering. It might be even you know the entire International Olympic Federation that's considering what they're going to do here. Yeah, a whole bunch of things can shake out between now and then. All right, uh, something's going to shake out here in the next 20 minutes. you got to turn the wife off TV, uh, and you got to turn on the uh, Clippers and the 76ers. What is the uh, gonzo repast with the wife out of town and you just kicking back, relaxing, watching hoops on TV? 
Yeah, I'm, uh, me and the dogs, we're going we're gonna to see if the, the Sixers can get a road win here. But like you said, highly unlikely, Jody. <laughs> They've been so bad. Uh, we'll see. We'll, we'll put our feet up, and, and we'll see if we can get the Sixers across the Now, I, I should know this, and I don't. Shame on me. Uh, you might. I'll ask you. You know what the spread is on today's game? That's a great question. I they, have no they idea. got to be double-digit dogs, don't they? I mean, no Embiid, no Simmons at Staples. Sixers can't win a road game for their life. It's got to be ten plus. You would think. You would think it's it's the, the odds are against them for sure. Whatever the odds are. Damn. All right. So, what are you eating at the house? You get a little pizza, I think. Okay. Maybe yeah. a pizza day. Pizza. What do you What do you get on your pizza? Is Is L.A. pizza different than uh, Philadelphia pizza? Do you change your toppings from coast to coast? No. <laughs> I got a. I got a here that's like east coast style pizza it's hard to find a good like normal human pizza because uh there's a lot of bougie uh like crunchy granola california style pizzas here but there's a place called Vito's that they they call it uh east coast jersey style pizza it's pretty good close approximation to the pizza we get back home uh, i can't see you doing granola pizza gonzo that's yeah, that's that's not happening buddy. always a pleasure brother we shall talk thanks much tell the better half i said hi Will do, Jody. You're the best. Thanks, buddy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.